On this episode of AV Week, the CTA is putting the CES into a virtual format for 2021. Microsoft Teams helps the NBA get back into the swing of things. And Integrate Baltimore hopes to bridge the digital divide. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 467, recorded Friday, July 31st, 2020. Hybrid. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us, discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. Easy for me to say, Mr. Chris Hope from Loop Lab up in Boston Way. Welcome, sir. Hi. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. Also with us is Jimmy Caldera from IAS Technology, just about two and a half, three hours due north of me. Depends on how fast you drive. How are you, sir? I am excellent. Glad to be back on. Absolutely. And last but not least, a, uh, the only that I got to meet uh, through our buddy uh, Megan Dutta and the SCN uh, AVIT Summit, which we'll talk about in a bit, um, Gladys Mariquin. And Gladys is from Newcomb and Boyd in Atlanta. Welcome, ma'am. Yes, thanks for having me, Tim. Absolutely, absolutely. So our first story comes to us from our own website, avnation.tv. CES, the biggest technology trade show in the world, is hey. going virtual nice. <laughs> already. CTA. No one saw that coming. Uh, I honestly didn't, Jeremy. And we'll get to that in a second. But uh, CTA, the Consumer Technology Association that owns the show, announced this week that the January 2020, 2021 version of the event will be all digital. Citing the growing global health concerns in regards to COVID nineteen, the move and that uh, th that move and the th that the all digital CES twenty twenty one will be quote unquote a highly personalized experience for attendees. So, Jeremy, um, what does this mean? What does this mean that number one they're doing it already? We're we're talking about this the end of uh, the last Friday of of July. This will post the first Monday of August. Um, not quite six months, but let's call it six months just for the, for the heck of it to round it out. But also, what does it mean for the live events industry that's already suffering and struggling now? Uh, I mean, I don't want to be that guy and say what I'm thinking, Tim. <laughs> why? That's why I have you. I don't know, man. Live events, get ready for 2022. It's going to be your next time before we're doing anything. That's just my gut feeling, right? I just think they're going to drag this out longer and longer and longer and the more we see it you know there's going to be ups and downs and everything with the whole covid thing so i think we're just gonna this is a foreseeable future so i personalized experience though i mean that sounds cool i, I kind of want to know what that's going to be right but not a lot of detail here on that yet so well as long as they can pull it off right i mean that's the one thing is to promise one thing but to be able to pull it off is a whole other thing yeah i mean that's true right i mean there's hundred different ways they can they can do this event right and i think that uh, as we've learned from previous events you know um there's good things there's bad things and and no one knows right what's gonna what's gonna be successful what's not gonna be successful so uh, it's gonna be a learning curve um I, like i said previously the the good thing that's going to come out of all of this is that when we go back to and i know there will be a when right when we go back to 
this whole in-person trade shows and large events and things like that happening, um, the benefit that's going to come of that is hybrids, like a hybrid show, right? A lot of virtual, a lot of in-person, which is going to be bringing what they found success virtually to the live show, which is just going to make it all that much better, right? Yeah. Chris, uh, Jimmy brings up the, the hybrid uh, hybridness, I guess, if I can make up a word, of, of the future of trade shows. What does this, though, mean, the fact that CES and, and the CTA have already, I guess, called uh, or, or moved to the virtual realm? For the, What does this mean for the rest of, maybe even the rest of the first quarter and into the second quarter of 2021? You've got, you've got NAM, which typically uh, traditionally happens in Anaheim. You've obviously got ISE, which is the world's biggest AV trade show. Shortly after that, you've got South by Southwest. You have uh, Enterprise Connect. You have NAB. I could continue on until we get to June in Infocom. So what does this mean for the first two quarters? I'll just let the, the, you know, the cat out of the bag. Really, what we're going to see is, unfortunately, a continuation of the, uh, of the virtual, man, virtual permutation of these shows. Um, you know, when we look at some, some shows that are, or conferences like um, Build or GTC Digital, they're going to go all digital um, for the foreseeable future, absent a vaccine. You know, the, the days of completely having an in-person experience at conferences um, unfortunately, you're going to have to adjust to a new normal. Um, as, as Jeremy shared earlier, this hy- hybrid model might be the best kind of model that you might see in 2021. Um, I sit on the board of South by Southwest, um, specifically their, their design and innovation conference or the design conference. And that was a huge decision that was made um, as being one of the biggest, if not the biggest or largest conference in the, in the first quarter. And to see the ramifications of that cancellation throughout the entire year, similarly, it set a, a chain reaction and in in, in that's still having um, momentum to this day. So I, I think that um, just seeing kind of where we're headed, you, you can expect more of the same, unfortunately. I, well, I, I don't think that's going to change until you have a vaccine that's out there. And even then, uh, it's going to be some kind of hybrid style. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is this is the new normal. And it's not what we want to hear. It's not what we like. It's not the medicine that, that tastes good. And um, it's just the reality. Yeah, I, I, I've come up to, uh, to a, a rule for myself that every time, by, every time somebody says pivot in the new normal, I have to take a drink. Today it's iced tea, <laughs> but usually, you know, it's right. something else. Go ahead, Jeremy. Right. Sorry, Jeremy. Tim, I want to show you really quick what I have posted right next to my computer screen. Do not say new. I appreciate that. <laughs> do not say new normal. Yeah, do great. not say new normal. I appreciate that. I stuck that up there right before this. So. Well, it's, oh, okay. but, but Chris, you, you make a good point. The, the, the week that South by Southwest cancels, and, and I right. still, I, I will probably remember this until, until I'm no longer here. Yes. Um, that was a hellacious week because it, it was, because yeah. that was a domino, right? That was the first one, right, Chris? Absolutely. It was a very stressful time. And, you know, you, you can imagine how much money obviously can go into oh, yeah. these conferences, especially for South by Southwest, where you have essentially the economic ecosystem of an entire metropolitan area that is largely dependent upon this conference going off and going off well. Um, and so the pressure is there. And ultimately, I think the call was the right call uh, in terms of public health and safety and, and, and the, the most humane thing to do. Um, and as we see, this thing has um, a domino effect. 
Um, you know, when other major conferences saw that, they said, okay, this, this thing right here is, uh, this is definitely a lot larger than I think folks anticipated it would be. And uh, I also, uh, we were going, the Loop Lab, we were going to do some things at Coachella this year. And sure enough, they canceled Coachella or they, in their terms, they rescheduled it and now they've, they've completely canceled it. Yeah, they, they so, rescheduled I mean, it possibly 2021, 2022. I know, I know. So you, you're just going to be seeing these, this, this unfortunately um, happen. I, I will say the way that I'm looking at a lot of the tech conferences now reminds me of like Netflix, kind of the on-demand style of, you know, and, and that oh. way as a consumer, you get a chance to kind of pick and choose that's an interesting um, analogy. I yeah, like it, it's very much an on-demand style approach to uh, actually consuming the content from from these conferences, which I think, it, you know, as you know, being at these conferences, so much is happening and then a lot of it's simultaneous. So you have yeah. to really be diligent in picking and choosing what you can attend to. Whereas this, uh, I think the benefit of this is, you know what, you can catch up to it later on if you would like to as long as you pay for a membership uh, or you pay some kind of fee and you have access to that content. So I think, I do think that there's some opportunity here um, in a positive direction. And I also want to acknowledge the loss that's, that's um, being created because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gladys, uh, this has actually turned into an interesting, I didn't expect the whole, that, that was a fantastic Netflix on demand thing. I, I like that, Chris. Thank you. As, as an attendee or even somebody who's helping folks, because uh, Gladys spends a lot of time with the education uh, environment, and those folks, regardless of whether it's K-12 or higher ed, are still trying to, to figure things out depending on, on what region you're in and what, what university you're talking to. But as a, AV professionals, you know, what can we do to help them kind of you know, do that transition and, and move to a, a new, I'm going to say it, you know, to the new normal? Uh, of a hybrid. I know, I know I said it. But what, what can we do for with our skills to help them? Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, as we've come to the consensus, it's a very um, tricky situation. Obviously, there's a loss in uh, the job market. But like Chris is saying, there's a lot of opportunity, right? So we could kind of emphasize maybe some more automation, maybe, you know, more streaming devices, kind of you know, keeping their network in mind, of course, but kind of sort of the hybrid solution, as uh, Jeremy was saying, I think that's probably where we're going to end up going. And one of the important things to note here is um, just kind of how this virus is spreading and just kind of taking note of the r not and how easily it's spread. You know, we've been kind of, well, most of the United States, we're kind of enforcing masks and things like that. I've seen people with... Um, you know, like the plastic cover, so you have the mask and the plastic cover, and that gives you some pretty good uh, protection. So I think there is a great opportunity for hybrid. Maybe, you know, everybody that wants to attend, they RSVP, they have to get tested, they get quarantined to kind of make up for this huge loss. Maybe we can accommodate in some way, but definitely most of it will be virtual, I think. And again, like I said, um, a hybrid solution, more streaming, that sort of those sort of solutions are going to be what we see. And like you're saying with K through 12, even colleges, um, it's just kind of, the situation is kind of changing day by day. So in my region, you know, south, uh, the South, it's, there are some colleges that want to go back to face to face. Some of them want to have closet outside. 
that's not obviously no AV is going to work there, right? I mean, nobody's going to roll up a camera and a mic, right? And the whole rig. But so there's a lot of things happening and we just kind of have to, to some extent, improvise, <laughs> improvise yeah. right? Um, but yeah, the hybrid solution is really kind of where I see the trend going. All right. Very good. Yeah. Uh, commercial integrator is right. Writes about our buddy, uh, Ernie Beck from Baltimore and integrate Baltimore. Uh, yes. they're trying to get technology into the hands of those who need it during this time. Yes. Beck and integrate Baltimore, uh, are teaming up, uh, and the ba- integrate Baltimore team are teaming up to work and also working with the digital equity coalition to get 2000 devices distributed. This issue uh, and the issue and the efforts have, have actually highlighted the issue of the digital divide. And that means the gulf that exists between those who have technology and ready access to technology and the internet and those who quite frankly don't. Uh, Beck says that when, this, when the pandemic hit and the stay at home order was issued, the issue, quote unquote, went from being a known problem to a systemic issue. Chris, we'll start with you and, and not for nothing, but your work with the Loop Lab as well. Absolutely. Uh, what can can others do and what, what other areas can we do to help bridge this gap? Oh, it's a huge divide. Um, as you stated earlier, I'm the executive director of the Loop Lab. We are a workforce development uh, program in the greater Boston area dedicated in bringing young adults of color, women into the audio video industry. And recognizing the inequalities that exist that prevents certain people from gaining access to not only AV jobs, but to tech jobs in general and also just to general technology um, is really critical um, what you know I'll, I'll give a huge shout out to Elijah Cummings and Bal- you know the former representative um, of Baltimore and we talk about Maryland and I know Ernie Ernie's an amazing incredible uh, figure who is also advancing equity forward in that area um, but in the words of John Lewis who just recently passed when you see something that's not right that's not fair not just you have to speak up, you have to say something, speak truth to power, and then you have to do something. And so the, the other question I would ask, ask the person is like, what, what, you know, what, can you, what can you provide in terms of bridging the gap between equity and inequity that exists? For some people that might be putting their money where their mouth is, investing in programs like Ernie's and Integrate Baltimore, supporting Ernie and supporting the work of the Loop Lab. A big part of what we do um, at the Loop Lab is we really rely on the in-kind donations of companies, corporations that have uh, racks and have AV equipment. As you can imagine, it's very expensive. Um, Another way that you can do is actually advocate to your representative. Uh, People like the the late, great Elijah Cummings and people like John Lewis, um, who really advanced this in policy you know, write to your local senator, write to your local congresswoman and congressman about the need for more funding in education, uh, especially in, in the fact that we're now living in a time where you need a computer, you need tech gear to have access to classes. And I, I, I am appalled when I hear these stories from educators saying that they, they don't even have enough uh, equipment for their children to be able to attend school online. That is unacceptable. That should be deplorable. So when we talk about technology, the question then becomes is, does everyone have the same kind of access to Wi-Fi? Does everyone have the same kind of access to computer, computers that have the same computing speed to do certain kinds of uh, work, whether that's edit, video editing or et cetera, et cetera? 
um, one of the first things we did when we moved the, the Loop Labs curriculum online was we purchased very powerful computers, lap, computer laptops for all of our students and actually bought all of the software for them. Um, and that's not cheap. You know, that we rely on the donations and giving of foundations and companies, but we, we recognize that there's a need for equity and equity of access. And so I think that um, people within the AV industry really have to take this, uh, take the mantle of this and say, how can we create more access, whether through finances, volunteering at some of these organizations, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and, and some organizations, it might make even more sense uh, to provide some services. You know, if you, if you ha have tech services that you can give, maybe you can do in-kind ser service provision. But either way, there's always something that folks can do. And, and the bigger question then becomes is, is this something that you really feel is a human right, which I believe access to technology is a human right in the 21st century. But if you feel like this is a human right, there has to be, as Dr. King says, a fierce sense of urgency to have people move into action, however they do so within their own realm. And that's why I like having Chris on. <laughs> I, I connected with with this guy. Actually, Ernie is the reason I connected with you. Um, yes, back in DC. Yeah, it, it was it was it, it connected with him right away. Um, glad it's same kind of question. You know, what other areas can AV help uh, during this time? Yeah. So, Chris, that was amazing. Great. I totally Thank agree you. with everything you said. And um, Thank you. Um, I feel bad, Tim. Thanks for giving me this mic because I can talk about this for hours. <laughs> but what, yeah, I mean, totally exactly what Chris is saying. Um, there is a lot of inequity in this country. And I actually wrote some stats down real quick. Um, I know that the FCC said that about 6% of us um, don't have access to broadband. Uh, so that's about 19 million Americans, but broadband now, so the website that kind of like compares internet providers and all that, they actually estimate about 13%, which is about 40 million Americans without access to internet. I mean, that's, that's a little sad. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But um, the thing is, we need to somehow, yes, AV should step in, but I think that we also need to push these ISPs as Chris is saying, you know, lobby as much as you can. Just be an activist. You know, if you have the means and you have the passion, you know, show it. Like, you know, put your money where your mouth is, right? I mean, one of the bigger issues, um, the underlying issues, right, is the ISPs, unfortunately. Like, I don't want to talk too harshly about them, but um, in a lot of these areas where uh, the access is lacking, they just don't see any profit. It's not profitable for them to um, build out infrastructure there. Um, for example, now I'm not in a super low income area, but where I do live, um, it was previously more of a low income area. It's been gentrified since, but um, I only make this point because the internet access that I have is actually not the best. Um, I'm running like 25 downloads. So, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty low. Uh, compared to things, you know, more in the city and what AT&T, my provider, uh, claims is just that they're not able to uh, roll out the infrastructure here and it's just not a place that they, they deem profitable. So I'm not sure if my neighborhood is totally okay with that speed. They must be because nobody else is complaining, but that's just an example of what consumers like myself and all of you 
all of you go through with these ISPs, and it's a huge barrier. Um, so as Chris is saying, definitely try to be an activist wherever you can. Um, and yeah, if you have the knowledge, like such as myself, an AV consultant, I have definitely offered my, my own services to um, nonprofits that I think, or even like podcasts that I think um, are, you know, I mean, it's more liberal, of course, because I'm more on the liberal side, but kind of uh, nonprofits that do this kind of action and kind of um, um, are for these marginalized uh, communities. So no. I think right. that is definitely the right way to go. Just offer any service that you think they may need. I mean, it right. doesn't hurt to just reach out and say, hey, th these are this is my expertise. Is this anything, you know, is there any way I can help you? Is there anything you need that I can provide? Maybe obviously pro bono, but um, yeah, just kind of get your feet wet a little bit. That's what I think. I think they should definitely be encouraged. And, and I have to say, I, I thank you so much uh, for saying that, Gladys. I really appreciate your points. I want to add something, too, that I think it's really invaluable that when companies or professionals in the industry that do know the importance of this, this sense of equity and technology, they do so led by guiding principles. Oftentimes you see a lot of talk and conversation and even some action within the tech industry at large and even in the AV industry in particular that is very performative rather than being authentic. And I think that what we're going for is having our decisions and how we respond to these situations guided by what I call a North Star of principles. One is it should be done with the communities of color or the communities that are disenfranchised or underrepresented, not for those communities. So that in other words, there has to be conversation. Like the, that's what I love about Ernie and Integrate Baltimore is because he's talking actively to the citizens there, finding out what the young, young adults need and want, and, and they're telling him. Yeah. And so he's, that, that way he becomes an arbiter and a bridge rather than a wall. And so I think similarly, organizations and in, in industry within the AV industry have an opportunity here to do this work with these communities and not for the communities. And I think the second principle that's really invaluable is what can we do collectively as an industry to amplify the voices from within the communities? And I think you're doing that right now. I mean, by having someone like Gladys, who's an amazing person of color, a woman who's doing incredible work. In, um, in the AV industry and others that you're coming on, having coming on, is including myself. Um, the third piece I will say when we talk about it, how we can advance equity in this bridge um, that I think is really amazing is really the realm that I sit in, which is the workforce. Um, because a huge part of access to technology and also access to knowledge of technology, the education part of it, is also creating access for jobs. Right. I mean, because uh, unless you get the, the knowledge to know how technology operates and functions and works, you can't even get to the place of actually applying for jobs and getting the, the actual skills you need to be hired in the growing tech economy. So I, I think that all of these three principles are really in alignment and how we advance equity within the, the AV economy um, through education. And and I just really want to implore uh, folks to step into action, you know, feel, feel a type of way about this, as they say in my neighborhood, feel mm -hmm. a type of way about this because Always. it's not right. And, and we can, but we can change it. And that's the beautiful thing. That's a value issue. Mm 
principles are, don't change, but values can. And I think that this is an opportunity where our values as a society, as an industry can change for the better. Jimmy, I want to bring you in on, on the last part of this. Walk me through, because I've been and you've been and, and Chris has been on, on job sites, probably Gladys has too, as you're doing rehab work, right? And the, the system might be a year, two, two, three, four, five years old, but it's still, it's still functional, right? It's, it's still, you can still utilize it. So whether it's working with, let's pick on Epson for a second, what's, what, you know, if, it, whether we're working with Epson and saying, hey, you know what, if you have some B stock, let's, let's, you know, let's funnel that to Baltimore, let's funnel that, that to, to you know, places in need, or it's looking at these rehab systems, how would that work? Is it something where if you're taking equipment out, you have to verify it or, or, or I guess, clear it with the, the client that you're taking out? Or once you're taking it out, that's yours to do with what you need to do? Or does it depend? So everyone's different. Yeah. And I just had like an epiphany, right? Because I see this all the time. And I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't think of something like this sooner, right? Like how do we, how do we repurpose some of this gear? Right. Because it, and to be honest with you, for a long time, I have not seen gear that was really repurposable. Right. I mean, it's yeah. a lot of my clients, man, they run it, do the end, like they kill <laughs> it. Right. So, um, but some don't, right. I mean, especially when you get into the corporate world, but that opens up another messy door, right. Because now there's asset management, there's, you know, um, depreciation value assigned to equipment, you know, when there's companies that are actually doing that for every piece of AV gear, um, it's hard to get them to see or to figure out how do we donate this somewhere, right? And then what, and then it would take a company like me or people with knowledge to then figure out how to use it, how to source it to someone and then have to get it installed for those people, right? Not saying it can't be done, but there's a lot that goes into that, right? So that would to me, it's like a whole, it's like a whole other company that would do something like that. Right. So, you know, figuring all that out is, is definitely a challenge, but I, I think it can be done. Right. And I, I know there's gotta be people out there doing something similar. So I, I, you know, if any of those people are definitely listening to this, I'd be interested in, in talking more and figuring out, you know, how do we get the word out on how you were doing that? Because there's gotta be other companies out there who are thinking the same thing. Who can, who can, you know, who can do this kind of thing. And I mean, not to be that guy. Right. But you can make a, business case for doing it too right so i mean not just doing it because it's the good and right thing to do which that should be the purpose behind it but you know if you have a board to report to for example right you can make a business case for this right um so i think that 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 could be a challenge but it would be uh something you know something we could all look into so you know i'm interested to see you know you you mentioned about internet service providers earlier too and i'm interested to see what some of the transitions that we're going to see in the coming years bring for um you know high-speed broadband across the globe right when you talk about stuff like starlink and things like that you know where at&t will complain that they can't get the infrastructure in place but here we've got you know 100,000 satellites running above the earth right now that are spreading out that are going to give us high-speed internet soon everywhere. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how the market drives that and then what that, what that ultimately does. Because when you see the disparity in those, in those areas that don't have access to high-speed internet and things like that, you know, what's going to happen when they have it, right? I mean, it's, it could be so much more beneficial for them as an economy and, you know, as, as a neighborhood or your area, whatever you want to call it, right? That I think we're going to see uh, some great things coming. So. And right now we're talking about the U.S. and, and, and rightfully so that, that's, that's right. where all four of us live. However, Jimmy makes, brings up a good point. Really quickly before we get to our last story here, 
not only is it going to be interesting here in the, in the States when those that don't have uh, high-speed access get it, but also in underdeveloped or developing countries. That's also going to be incredibly fascinating as those folks get access to higher and higher speeds and more and more connectivity. I mean, think about traveling through the Saharan desert on a camel and being able to access your email high speed and watch videos. I, I don't, if I'm traveling through the Sahara on a camel, I don't want to get no, my email. I would email. agree with you, but There's the point is. I'm in the Sahara. All right. <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> last story here comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. NBA is starting back up with a technology component. Uh, under the restarting rules, there are no fans in attendance, just like baseball, just like hockey, go blues. However, in Instead of cardboard cutouts like uh, that most fans can, uh, can, can pay for in upwards of $150 for Major League Baseball, the NBA is leveraging Microsoft Teams. Don't laugh, Caldera. It's called Together Mode and gives participating fans the feeling, quote unquote, the feeling of sitting next to one another at a live game. Players will also see and hear the crowd through a 17-foot video board. More than 30 cameras, uh, PTZ cameras throughout the facility will also give those the remote live experience. Um, Goddess, we'll start with you on this. What else can AV uh, Sports do to help get folks back into audience or help get audiences back into sports? Oh, man, that's a hard one. You know, <laughs> I'm not a huge sports person myself, but I'm a huge uh, football fan. Um, I'm talking about football, not American football. Um, so, I've, you know, I, when I watch uh, sports, I'm usually at a bar, you know, just kind of I, I thrive off of that energy of everybody just reacting. So it's going to be really tricky to kind of, um, you know, mirror that um that experience, but I did read in the article, if I'm not, uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I thought there was a VR aspect to it as well. Um, so that might help a little bit, but you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be tricky. Um, no, it will be. Yeah. <laughs> not sure. Mr. Mr. Caldera, uh, this is a, I would say a significant coup for Microsoft. So what can they do to leverage this, uh, both in the office as well as the work from home environment? I mean, I mean, in my own opinion, it's just the way of advertising teams, right? In the Office 365 environment, that's all they're doing, right? I mean, I'm not a huge sports person either, but I don't watch sports on television. I have no interest in ever doing anything like this, but I love sports live in a stadium, right? I will go to any sporting event under the sun. if it's. So would you stadium. do this though then, if you like live sports? Ah, no. No, I'm not, it's, not, it's, 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 the, it's the experience. It's the experience of the stadium and the stands and the people and the, you know, the food. You know what? And, and I'll, I'll drive up to your house and charge you 12 bucks for a beer if you want. <laughs> I mean, okay, that part sucks. But, you know, but, but I mean, in general, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just mad that I didn't get the contract for the LED screens. I don't know. You're not, you're, you're nowhere near Orlando. So, which is yeah, where they are. I know. The but moment. even if everybody else picks up on this, you know, it's going to be one company doing it all and it's not me. So I'm not going to watch it. But okay. I mean, that's just the long and short of it, right? I mean, what's the benefit to this? I mean, basically, it's going to be, it's, it's Microsoft just, you know, making a play to make a big deal about it, right? They're going to be not charging anything for this because of the press they're going to be getting from it. Yeah. I'm sure the NBA is charging a boatload for Microsoft to this and advertising dollars, right? Because they're going <laughs> to pay their players somehow. That's the big thing that bothers me, right? Is how are you paying for all this stuff? How are you paying for your, uh, just a curiosity thing for me, right? How are you paying the salaries of these basketball players and baseball players and everything when you got no tickets being sold? And then I know the tickets aren't the big contributor, it's other stuff, but then you've got the people employed at the stadiums who aren't having jobs now and stuff like that. So right. it's, that's a huge it's, one. It's, it's, we could go on for hours about this, just like the last topic. Right. But, um, 
yeah, I don't know. This is this is interesting. I, I, I would be curious to ask some of my really big uh, basketball friends about fans about this, but uh, that are friends. But I, I mean, I don't know. All right. And I mentioned the, the cardboard cutouts. You can buy that. Uh, I think uh, some of my Mets friends told me uh, it was $69 or $86. Oh, wow. It was the last time the, the, the Mets won the World Series is how they based <laughs> it off. I'm not picking that part up. Chris, same kind of question yeah. is, is what yeah. can we do to leverage this? Well, you know, I think the reality of this is, is that in the midst of crisis, there will always be some who look at opportunity. And in the midst of COVID-19 and the restrictions that have been placed upon live, uh, live uh, performance sports in general across the board, uh, you know, this, this offers kind of a contrast of two approaches to the same thing. On one end, you have the MLB, which is straight up doing cutouts, right? Which to most people that you ask is not ideal. You know, they're cutouts of actual live, living people. Um, people that work at the stadium that can no longer actually work there because of what's happening. And they only are like working 24 hours um, so a week, so they can't apply for unemployment. Uh, so yeah, there, there's, there's a challenge there, huge challenges there. Uh, versus this other approach that the NBA ta- has taken, which I think, um, at least in my opinion, is the better of the two options, right? I mean, at and least I agree with that. there's, yeah, there's an opportunity there for, you know, in some ways to maintain eye, eye contact and to actually register participants' emotions uh, during, a ga- during the game. So it's interesting. I think that um, it's definitely a big coup for Microsoft. Um, you know, in the NBA as well. And this is really just one part of a multiple multi-year uh, contract that they've signed together with each other that includes fan engagement platform. I know personalized live services and on-demand game broadcast they're doing. So this is just one part of a much broader thing. And the NBA is going to be, I think, not just the NBA, but other entities are going to be looking for similar uh, collaboration, similar multi-year contracts. Um, I would not be surprised if that's not already happening with the NHL and other um, organizations because, I mean, usually we're used to these companies teaming up with broadcast companies like NBC, but now Mm -hmm. you're going to be seeing folks probably team up with Netflix. Who knows? Like (laughs) it's going to be, it's a whole new, it's a whole new ball game now. We're going to like no pun intended industry. We're going to see a hybrid going forward. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think Absolutely. we are. This is gonna. There's gonna. There are gonna be benefits that come from this, and we're gonna see that. And I'm. I, I want to make one kind of quick point, Tim. When you sent me this article, I didn't realize that the NBA was still a thing. I kind of lost track after Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Jer- Jeremy. Jeremy grew up NBA. watching Jordan. Let's just yeah. put put that. Oh, in. Okay. Um, okay. Which so did I. Just for the but but real quick, Jeremy, because I know Jeremy is a huge live music fan. Mm-hmm. Would you pay to do? I'm, I'll pick on you, Dave Matthews. Would you pay to see Dave? <laughs> Hey, like I love this. Dave Matthews. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, dude, or, or I've been I've been to a Hollow Notes. I hate to admit it, a Hollow Notes concert with Jeremy. I went to go see Tears for Fears, just for the record. He went to go see Hollow Notes. No judgment, no judgment. Uh, but would you go? Would you pay th- like to do to do that to do this experience do, watching music? I don't know. Not that I shaking would. her head. No. I, I don't know that I would because it's just, like I said, I, I do that for the experience. Like, like okay, in the world of AV lately, right, we talk about how we're redesigning, we're doing things for the user experience, right? What's the experience? Like, I, these types of events, you go for the experience. Now, not everybody, but a lot of people yeah. do, myself included. Like, I'm not going to go to a Cub Cardinal game just because it's a Cub Cardinal game, right? I can watch it from home in my air well, conditioning. Well, that's, and, uh, yeah, that's sacrilege cheaper, right there, brother. Well, whatever, cheap, cheaper <laughs> beer, right? But I would go to a Cub Cardinal game 
with you, Tim, in St. Louis for the atmosphere of Bush Stadium and hanging yeah. out with some friends and doing stuff like that. That's why I go to the live sports, right? Yeah. So the same thing applies for live music. I, I just I just don't see myself doing it. Now, what's interesting enough is um, I've seen recently where a bunch of local musicians are doing Facebook Live, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you know, I've actually been watching some of those because I've just wanted to kind of support some local musicians because they weren't out and about and they have like the virtual tip jar, right? And I've thrown 20 bucks in here and there and it's just kind of a way to kind of, you know, help out like in this time, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's some good music and, and I'll watch for a little while, but I'm not watching for a whole day, you know, or like, you know, for hours. No, like a whole end, set, right? you know, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I might watch a few songs and, you know, throw some money, you know, that way or something like that. But, uh, you know, as far as the bigger bands go, I mean, yes and no. But I mean, I can I can download live Dave Matthews concerts and, you know, on Netflix That's right true. now. Like they were previously recorded from almost not everybody, but a lot of them. Right. Uh, and it's cool, but you might watch it. But even those kind of bore me because, like I said, it's the atmosphere. It's all about the yeah. atmosphere. But that's me, my prime preference. Right. All right. I'll, I'll, I remember a few years ago, there was this huge debate in the music industry. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like Coachella 2010 or 2011, they premiered the Tupac Shakur VR yes. uh, the performance when Stoop Dogg and, and, and Dr. Dre were on stage. And it was like this huge moment in music where all of these major music moguls were saying that's going to be the future of the industry. That's going to be, you're going to be able to see your favorite rapper, Jay-Z or little Uzi Vert or whoever in five different stadiums in five different you know places all at the same time. Right. Um, and there was some traction there, but I, I feel like you're right. Like a huge part of the live events space is that it attracts people like you, like me and others, who want to experience the bass, you know, underneath their feet and talk yeah. to their friends, drink a beer, Bring it down to the, to the yeah, most have community. Yeah. The most simplistic everyday thing that you can make analogy to this is, right? Think about some of the best meals you've ever had in your life. And I guarantee you it's not the meal. It's the people you were with enjoying the meal. Right. Absolutely. I, I, I can guarantee you it's a combination. Uh, unless you were in a Michelin star restaurant. I have to disagree. If you were at tickets, <laughs> yeah. tickets in, in Barcelona or. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you've ever eaten ceviche, but, you know, uh, yes. hands down the best meal. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been I, to a Michelin. I, I just want to make a point real quick that there is science behind this, right? The experience you get, what do you, you get? Adrenaline, you get dopamine and. I mean, there's no real replacement for human interaction, unfortunately, at this time. So I don't really see, <laughs> I mean, other than the VR thing, but that's still, even still, that's not the same. I mean, even, um, you know, as awkward as it sounds, even human touch is going to generate something in your brain that VR will not be able to do, you know? So it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I think after COVID, this is probably going to be scrapped. <laughs> All right, that, that right there, uh, Gladys has the last word. So uh, thank you all so much. Mr. Chris Hope from the Loop Lab, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. I really appreciate these opportunities to Absolutely. talk to the audience. If people would like to know more about my work, but also know, know more about the Loop Lab itself, please feel free to go to www.thelooplab.org. 
Um, as you can see in my backdrop, rather, back screen, this says the jukebox. This is a project that we are doing in, in collaboration with a public artist named Elissa Hamilton in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, it's a jukebox that will have over 100 radio podcast episodes in it oh, wow. uh, that will really capture the spirit um, and essence of multi-generational, multicultural stories from Cambridge, Massachusetts. And our students are being paid above livable wage. Um, so definitely check that out. The website for that is F-O-U-N-D-R-Y, jukebox.org. So foundryjukebox.org. All right, we'll make, so Mitchell, we'll make Mitchell put that link on, on the website as well. So thank you, sir. Uh, also, uh, Jeremy Caldera from IAS Technology. Thank you, sir. Yeah, anytime. It's uh, IASTechnology.net on Twitter. It's uh, at Jeremy underscore Caldera. And then don't forget to check uh, myself and Gladys out next week. We'll be on a panel together for uh, AVIT Summit, the Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. And I'm going to try and get a backdrop with Vanilla Ice, but I don't think they'll allow that. <laughs> I, don't think he'll, I don't think he'll allow that. All right. Uh, although he'd probably be the biggest audience he's had in years. Glad, <laughs> Gladys Marquin uh, from Newcomb and Boyd. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. Really enjoyed the conversation here. Um, I just want to make a quick plug for Newcomb and Boyd, best uh, engineering firm of all time. And I also want to do a quick plug um, just for all the uh, QPOCs in the AV industry. Um, take some time to support uh, SFQP, Southern Fried Queer Pride here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, they do great work and uh, hope you look into them. All right. Very good. Thank you all so much. Uh, as Jeremy mentioned, he, you can see uh, him and Gladys both. This will post on Monday. So Wednesday, uh, actually, uh, August 6th. Is it Wednesday or Thursday? Is it, what is today? Thursday. It's Thursday. Thursday, August 6th. You know what? Calendars are hard at this yeah. day and age. I don't even know what my name is anymore. Uh, August 6th, you can find them. Uh, you can find both of those on, uh, on a and panel the entire day. Uh, our buddies, uh, Megan Dutta over at SCN. Uh, you can find out more about that at avitsummit.com forward slash 2020. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters unless you want to see my superimposed body running everywhere. Uh, we they're helped. They're all uh, fantastic. They are all, they are all very interesting. Um, the, uh, I helped our, our friends over at, at, at Atlas IED, one of our sponsors launch a, uh, a brand new product for them uh, called Atmosphere uh, this, this week. And part of that I was running and someone took a screenshot of that and superimposed my fat little body everywhere, including Superman and <laughs> Horace Gump a couple of times. So yeah, uh, But if you would, go by our website, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others while you're there. Please check out our underwriters section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and you know all sorts of other really cool stuff. Uh, also, while you're there, um, check out the, uh, the, the newsletter. Uh, our uh, editor-in-chief, Chief Lenore and Lane puts that together every single Monday, Monday uh, sends it right into your email box. So all that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. Thank you.